You're listening to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour Podcast with your host, Brett Matthijs. All right, today we have to start out with a mistake that I made, and I'm sure it happens to you all the time. So when you agreed to come on the podcast, our owner, Don was the one that convinced you to come on, and she emailed me and said, Dr. Helen Usera is going to come on and talk. I was like, sweet. And we had talked about doing an episode with a medical professional. And so foolishly, I go, Dr. Helen, you, Sarah, and I say in my email to you, like, thanks for coming on. We can talk about the medical profession a bunch, but we can talk about anything. And then after doing some research, I'm like, oh, no. Is that a common mistake that happens? Oh, most definitely. I was, um, funny story, I was actually presenting down in New Orleans, down um, south, and this woman off the street comes up, and I have my name tag on from when I'm speaking. I'm just standing outside. And she said, doctor. I said, yes. She said, I got this ache in my... (laughs) Uh, No, not that kind of doctor. Exactly. (laughs) But you might want to go see your real doctor. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I was like, like, oh, no, I couldn't believe I did it. But anyway, so I had to just clear the air with that to start. Oh, no, that's all right. It is a common mistake. So anyway... But we can talk about the medical field if you'd like. Either way, doesn't matter. (laughs) So... Anyway, introduce yourself, what you do, who you are, um, where you come from, all that good stuff. Oh, wow. That's like leaving the door wide open. That's my goal. Is okay, just, let just you leave run. it. Just let me run. That could be dangerous, especially because <laughs> I am a speaker by trade. True. That's We got plenty of time. Okay, great. Uh, so basically, um, I'm Helen Usera, and one of my things is that I own a company called Aspiring Business Consulting. It is something that I had taken on as part of being able to do contract work with the State Department of Education. I did a lot with them in terms of No Child Left Behind, that great legislative act that went through many years ago. for sure. Awesome. And it transformed really how education really needed to move in terms of accountability. And from that, that's where I dove more into strategic planning and meeting facilitation. And that's the crux of what I do. I am helping businesses identify their goals through guided dialogue. Nine times out of 10, that's what happens is that people don't realize that they haven't communicated. They've said a lot of words. They put their mission statement up. It looks beautiful on the wall with all of its graphics, thanks to companies like Midwest Marketing. For sure. Thank you. You are so welcome. And they don't actually have that communicated within their culture of their organization. Okay. So when you're saying communicated, you're saying internally communicating with each other, not communicating with the public, or a little bit of both? Uh, it's both. It's both. Okay. Because when you think about it, I was told one time, and this is always stuck, if you take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your customers, and your customers will take care of your business. Man, okay, I just got to interrupt for one second. My favorite part about this podcast is like the quotes that we get from just like people like you. You come on, it's like that's just a brilliant quote, and it's like that stuff. You said it sticks with you, but well, then it ends up sticking with me, and hopefully with the listeners as well. Oh, thank you. I cannot take credit for that statement. I actually heard it from an entrepreneur here in Rapid City, and it's something that it's resonated throughout everything that I do now. I look at whether it's nonprofit or for-profit. If you aren't taking care of your employees, they're not going to take care of your mission. They're not going to take care of your customers. 
They're not going to take care of the products and services that you pride yourself on. And so having the conversations about what is it that we're really about? What is the why behind the business? And a lot of times it's in the owner's head, it's in the leader's head, but it hasn't infiltrated the system. It hasn't infiltrated the company or the definition is different for people. You think about a policy that you put in place. You need to notify your supervisor that you're going to be absent. Well, the word notify, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm gonna text you? Does that mean I'm gonna call you? Is that meaning that I need to email you? How many days or how many hours notice do you need to have? And we get frustrated because, well, they're just texting me when they're gonna be gone. Well, you said notify. Yeah. What does that mean? What age group are you talking to, for sure? Exactly. And unfortunately, it isn't even an age or generational thing anymore because we, those of us that are older too, that are Generation X, we actually have become accustomed to doing the same thing. We respond by text versus pick up the phone and call. And that has created this loss of communication that we get really frustrated with, but it's our own faults. Yeah, totally. I was going to say, I called my grandma just two weeks ago, and she didn't answer. I was like, oh, she must be busy because my grandma's always out doing stuff. And then she never called me back. And I was like, oh. So then I called her just yesterday. And I was like, my own grandmother doesn't even want to talk to me. She's like, well, I sent you a text. I was like, my grandma sent me a text. I was like, that's so the wrong way around but and that's the way it goes too yeah totally i communicated with you yes yep exactly (laughs) exactly so all right before we jump totally feet first into the business thing can we touch on your volunteer uh what you're like giving your time to it's a long list i know so you touch on whatever you feel is most important because i just like i said doing a little research is like a very long and impressive list of stuff well it's very long i don't know how impressive it is it is one of those things that I believe that everything happens for a reason. Um, when I went on my first international Habitat for Humanity trip, I came across the quote, leave the world a better place. And it was during that 10 days that I realized I didn't want to leave it. The only way I could leave it is if I make it a better place. And that became really my mantra and has stuck with me in terms of giving back. You can only do so much for yourself without it draining you. But when you start giving to everybody else, when you start giving of yourself in a positive way, it is energizing. And you become more and more connected. Humanly, we have to be connected. That is what we're all about. But for some people, you can only handle so much human contact. But for me, I am one of those people that it doesn't bother. There are times that I still do need to take time for myself, and there's a lot of people that will say, you need to say no more. And I am getting there. But when you say no to something, I want to be able to say yes to other things. And that would be the right things. So currently, I'm serving on the Rapid City Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors, And that has been an interesting transformation as Rapid City Chamber of Commerce and Elevate Rapid City, Rapid City Economic Development have all come together. And there's this whole resurgence of 
energy around the business community, and that is exciting to see. I also work with an organization called Abbott House, and they are focused on providing therapeutic foster homes in our community. They have been around for 80 years in our state, and primarily in Mitchell, and they decided to expand to Rapid City a few years ago, about three years ago, and provide a therapeutic foster home for boys ages 10 and up and one for girls 10 and up. Fun fact about the Abbott House, when I was in school, I went to college at Dakota Wesleyan and Mitchell. Our apartment was literally across the street from the Abbott House, so very familiar. It's great. That is is. amazing how many people are connected to the Abbott House. Oh, totally. And now, for the first time, we're serving boys. We've always served girls, and that has evolved into a whole nother dynamic of understanding kids and what their needs are. We are building two more homes out here, and so we're in the middle of raising money to get those two homes built. They also will include apartments for those kids that are aging out of foster care. So when a kid turns 18, they have to leave foster care, but where do they go if they don't have a family or support system? Well, we'll have apartments, independent living apartments, attached to the homes where they will still be able to go to school, be able to work, and be supported by the foster parents in the home. Okay, yeah, very cool. It is a very great model. It's something different than most uh, traditional foster care. Yeah, I was going to say it seems a little more, you know, like that next level of stuff, a little more unique than maybe what other places are doing. Correct. And what's even better is that we're partnering with other people. And that's always fun to me. When you can start to see organizations or businesses partnering together, there is a synergy that comes about, and it just propels everybody forward. And right now, there are so many things happening around foster care and that awareness of foster care and adoption that you can't help but get excited for kids having that opportunity to have, we don't use the word normal, um, but having that family environment that many of us have had in our lives not always in the same way but at least it gives them some stability and in the past I've just been involved with summer nights and movies under the stars and all these different organizations one of my favorite things was being a big sister and being able to work with a kiddo that I may not have interacted with before. Even though I'd been a teacher or principal and worked with kids, these were kids that I got to know on a different level. Yeah, for sure. Can you touch on a little bit of your military experience as well? Because I thought that was really interesting. When I was 17 years old, I was a senior in high school, and I came home of all times at Christmas time. I think my mom might have PTSD from Christmas because that's always when I would drop bombs on her. And uh, this time I dropped the bomb on her that I wanted to join the military. And I showed up with a recruiter. I didn't even forewarn her. Oh, really? Just, oh. Oh, yes. That, I'm sure, is a surprise to mom. Right. And not realizing, I mean, to me, the recruiter was old, you know, older. But my mom is thinking, oh, no, you're not getting married at age 17. Oh, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And so then when I was like, no, I'm joining the military. I think she wanted to know that I was going to get married. Yeah, the other instead. way, the first way was better. 
But um, my family, both my mom's side and my dad's side, have been very engaged with the military. Um, my uncles all served. I was the first female in our family to join the military. And it was one of the greatest experiences that I've ever had. I joined the Army Reserves, uh, served for 12 years. They, um, the experiences that I had in terms of team building and leadership, even being an enlisted person, um, went beyond what I probably would have experienced in any other realm. And I have a huge support for our Air Force here, the Ellsworth Air Force Base, and our South Dakota National Guard. I think if we didn't have those entities around us, um, we would be really lost because we have a connection with our military that I don't think every community gets to have. Yeah, I totally agree. Being a, a implant to Rapid City, I can definitely agree with that um, as far as the relationship that the citizens have with Ells Force Air, Air Force Base is, is just something different that I've never experienced before. It's exciting. And now with the B-21. Exactly, even, yes. That's going to be even greater. The South Dakota National Guard is going through restructuring right now. You are going to see different units um, and that plays into our whole economy. It plays into our ability to interact with people. It affects our businesses. Oh yeah, big time. We're going to, if you go around town, you'll see the sign that says embrace the base on different businesses. And that's an initiative that came out of just building awareness. If you go into that business and you're a veteran or you're active or you're a guardsman, those places will honor you with a discount. They recognize the value of the time and the energy and the fact that they're sacrificing their lives and families in order to serve a greater good. Yeah, which is just super duper important. I mean, of course, uh, just respecting the military and all that good stuff, but just going a step further as a community and getting involved it is just awesome. So kind of pivoting here. Sure. All right. If my intel's right, you studied education. Yes. So can you walk us through how someone who studied education becomes a business consultant? <laughs> it's um, one of those times in my life that when I first got my degree, when I was going to college, my dad is an educator. Uh, I grew up in that arena. My dad worked at a community college in Kansas, and we would have people over all the time. That who were teachers and so it became something that it wasn't a foreign occupation to me but I also enjoyed being around kids for me that was really important that was the start of my career was being able to go in and teach at the elementary level and middle school level and then I moved to Kansas City where I was accepted into the University of Kansas and was able to get my uh, doctorate in educational administration. And my trajectory was that someday I'm going to be a superintendent. Okay, the, the high school superintendent. That no, was no the, the whole district. The whole district. Correct. Okay. That was the goal. That was my goal. And I went through this transition of becoming a principal and absolutely loved the kids. I spent four years being a principal and was given the opportunity to work in the nonprofit world. And it was an educational nonprofit. 
So the nonprofit was really focused on democracy education, teaching kids um, about our rights to vote, um, our civic responsibilities, and I saw that as a way to make a greater impact. Sure. Can it, you name drop them? Is that okay to name drop them? Who they, they were? don't exist anymore. They don't exist. No. Who were they? Um, it was the Cheeseman Foundation. Oh, okay. And then um, one of the programs that I helped to manage was Kids Voting South Dakota. And that was an amazing opportunity to be able to get into work with schools, um, be able to impact communities. And seeing kids go to the polls with their parents, they thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah, for sure. They were all about it. And then you would have many elections, pseudo-elections in the schools that the kids were actually participating and seeing if, you know, were we in alignment? And the kids are going to vote like their parents for the most part. It is interesting, though, when you start to talk about candidates or you start talking about issues with kids and they come back, well, my mom and dad said this, this, and this. Okay, let's talk about that. What does that mean? For sure. And having engagement at a different level. I know uh, in elementary school, my school back in Minnesota, we did where we actually ran for, you know, student body Mm -hmm. as sixth graders. So you'd get up there and you'd state your claim. You're like, I'm going to bring the slushy machine back to the, you know, just stuff like that. And then they'd vote. But then we'd also vote in presidential elections just as the school. I know I based uh, my vote on I saw that George Washington, when he was up for uh, re-election was his like pony. He was like he had a childhood pony and rode horse a lot. And at that time, I really was into horses um, and riding horse. So I was like, "That's I mean, he's got to be a good guy. He rides horse." So not quite as in depth as maybe I should have been at that age. But but that's what we do. We gravitate to where we're in alignment with people. And for you, that alignment was riding horses. For somebody else, it might be on a different aspect of that person or their personality, um, their platforms. And so, no, I don't think it was, I, I don't think you were wrong for how you were thinking it. You were trying to find how am I like this person. And we vote for the people that we're like. We enjoy the people that um, are going to speak on the issues that we value and the role of those people. I mean, the mayoral election, we just finished. The city council members that were elected, we look at what issues are they going to be able to impact at the city level? But then you go to a national and you're thinking, okay, how is it that they're going to impact the national? The ability for us to affect national politics is a little bit smaller than what we can do at our local level. And so getting people engaged at the local level is so important. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, I interrupted you. You were telling your whole progress of how you got to be a business consultant. As I was um, working with the nonprofits, we also got involved with a lot of the government grants and working with the Department of Education, it all came down to accountability. And as we were being trained in strategic planning and issue forms and, and those types of things, I realized that I really enjoyed the structure of being able to help people engage in a process. And as I did that, I slowly started engaging with more and more businesses and realized that businesses were not far removed from the nonprofit world in terms of being able to set goals, set priorities, 
um, looking at their missions. You know, businesses have their missions. They have their services and products. And it just slowly evolved into this business that I have now of being able to support those organizations and those small businesses that want to grow um, and that want to engage their base again in a different way. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, so now you have made it all the way, present day, a business owner calls you and says, I need help. What are the one, two, three most popular things that it's like you hear from business owners that they need help with? If you can divulge that information. <laughs> no, you're fine. Okay, for sure. Um, one of the things that, there are several topics. It's interesting because they'll come with you with one idea of, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to have a strategic planning session. Or we're going to have a team meeting and we're going to talk about our mission. Um, or um, we need to work on customer service. And what can you do to help us with customer service? Every one of those things goes back to what we talked about at the beginning and that's that communication piece and as you start to ask the questions of you know what is it that you're trying to achieve here what are you trying to um, accomplish at the end of the day then you can start to break that down a little bit more me I am one of those people that loves processes um, and people ask me well how do you do it it's hard to like describe it because I, it's one of those things where I feel like it comes down to what is it that the customer wants. And if the customer is wanting a certain outcome, it's a matter of what are the steps that we're gonna go through in order to get there. A lot of times it's first identifying what we're doing well. What is it that makes us do our work the best? What is the environment? who's on the team, what are the historical data, what is the historical data telling you about the progress of the company? And then breaking down to, so what's not working well? What is it that you really want to improve? And it is interesting when you start to hear that the owner or the leadership team has thought that they were moving forward in a certain direction and everybody else was like but it wasn't applicable or it wasn't feasible for us to do this work it wasn't within our scope or you forgot to tell us that's what you wanted oh now I understand yep for sure and that lack of communication or miscommunication um, is what leads to most of the needs for companies I do some leadership development but most of mine ha ends up being a teamwork um, type of environment. And that is bringing in the talking heads to listen. And you bring in the other employees who want to be able to give input, but haven't been sure how to approach it. And giving them a safe environment to have that conversation. What is great is when you see a company come back a year later and say, so we put together and we, and we went through and these were the goals and these were the action steps that we were going to have. And that's key. At the end of the day, you have to have tangible action steps because whether you are a visionary or you're a strategist or you're the implementer, you want to be able to have action steps to say, what am I gonna do differently 
or what am I going to continue to do to help this company move forward? And that's always exciting when I can follow up with them and hear, we put this one thing in place. And sometimes it's only just one thing and it changes the whole dynamic. For sure. Yeah. It can't be just like, we want to be better with customer service and then just say that and then no plan behind it. So I'm sure that's where you come in big time. Exactly. It's just putting a plan together and having an external person like myself come in and be able to ask the questions. I say that I am the questioner, um, I am the facilitator, and I'm the guider. So when we're having the conversation, then it, it, the fault falls on me. Whereas in some times when the internal leadership is leading the meeting, you get so caught up in the personalities that you're not able to move forward. So having somebody external like myself come in, I'm able to throw questions out there, not being completely knowledgeable about what their business may be doing, um, and asking the hard questions. So why did you decide to move in that direction? Why did you decide to do that? Sometimes people just need to know the why behind it. And then they're like, oh, well, if you would have told us that, we could have bought into this. For sure. It's like, oh, that actually makes sense why we're doing this thing exactly. now. Exactly. For sure. And they may have not have asked the question. A lot of times we come from this place of not giving people grace and thinking, well, they're just doing it because they want to be a pain. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, they just want to make these changes because they're the boss and they think they can do it. Well, that's not always the case. A lot of times we mistake or misunderstand where they're where they're coming from and once we find that out we're able to move forward yeah so when you go to the business or or meet with them what timeline are you like how long are you usually there for the first day is it just a day thing is it a week thing and i know you said you follow up uh, in the future too so like i'm sure it varies big time from diff- like different business to different business but what's like the average amount of time you spend with a business Typically, I'll spend about a week with a business. And what that does is it may not be five consecutive days. It might be a couple of meetings before. And then having the actual meeting, um, the team building and all of that, it can be a four-hour thing, it could be an eight-hour thing, or it could be a two-day retreat where people are just locked down away from everything. Those are my favorite where you can take your team and you can take them to a different location, away from their phones, away from distractions, and just dive into what is the data saying, where have we been, where are we gonna go? And what ends up happening isn't so much what happens in the room, but what happens outside of the room. In the evening, when they're socializing or having the meal together, when they are Um, having their break time and they're standing around having coffee together for the first time and who knows how long because they work on opposite sides of the building. Those are my favorite ones. And then to follow back up, um, you know, that might be putting the plan down for them. Um, Some people want to keep that function within their company and have somebody already assigned to record all of that. And then I am able to do a closeout with the, with the company. But there are times that I've just come in and given the motivational speech and walked out and 
It's been good to go. It's been good to go. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick breather, and then uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about public speaking and the trends that we're going to be seeing maybe coming up in the next 5, 10 years. Hey guys and gals, it's Brett Matice, the host of the Midwest Marketing Podcast. I need you to do me a favor really, really quick. I promise you it won't take long. However you're listening to this here podcast, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, maybe you're just on our website, whatever it is, go give us a five-star rating. See those stars? There's going to be five of them. Just go to the one furthest on the right-hand side, click that one. Maybe write a few quick nice words about us. Unless you don't like us very much, then don't write anything at all. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Let's get back to listening. All right. The business world, as we all know, moves quickly, very quickly. So how does someone who has to consult businesses stay up to date on the trends and what's new? Because everything, I mean, every week it's something big happens and some new trend that you need to do or you're not going to be successful. At least that's what the Internet says. How do you stay up to date with all that kind of stuff? Well, I find that that's kind of a misnomer about business changes fast. Um, what changes is the industry. So whether it's technology, um, what is the newest marketing trends? Let's talk about marketing. How much has it changed? Well, I've been, I'm pretty young here in the marketing world, but from what I've noticed just within the last year and from talking to people who have been in it a long time, it's just like the digital stuff is just completely transformed, which to your point is the technology has just taken over marketing. But when you come down to the principles of marketing, it's all the same. It's all about the people. Correct. And so whether you are um, exploring starting a business, uh, I think the big thing is for any businesses is where are you right now? Are you a mature business? Are you a startup business? Are you articulating exactly what you want in terms of your messaging? internally and externally and that doesn't change it doesn't matter what is the hottest thing what it does matter for me is understanding that those industries are changing it doesn't change the fact that you still have to sit down and evaluate where you are and where you're going to go it doesn't change the fact that you need to have good communication and those trends don't change. What has changed in the last 10 years is the fact that strategic planning has gotten a negative rap. Yeah, totally. People think, oh, we're gonna go sit in a strategic uh, planning session. We're gonna sit there and do the famous SWOT analysis, and we're gonna come up with measurable goals and objectives, and. And then it's going to go into this nice, beautiful document, and then it's going to sit on the shelf. Exactly. And we might review it annually, um, but we probably aren't ever going to look at it again. And so when you have those types of practices, that makes it a, more of a challenge because if somebody says, well, we're going to do strategic planning, the walls go up right away. And I think that's where... I come in with a whole different attitude about it. Strategic planning to me isn't about putting together an action plan that's just going to sit on the shelf. It has to be tangible. It has to be realistic. And that's why it's important to have more than just the executive team or the C-suite at the table. You have to have 
people from all levels within the company at the table so that there is buy-in, but also what's realistic. We can set really lofty goals, and I think having big goals is important. I don't think that you should just limit it to that, though. There has to be breakdown of those goals so that it becomes applicable. What's going to be feasible within a department from an executive's mindset is going to look different from the person who's actually implementing it. Yeah, and I think that's really smart too because it's like you have you want big goals, you want dreams per se, mm-hmm. um, but then you also need the tangible goals that can be that you know if you work hard you can accomplish you know in three months and four months and five months and then you can also have your dreams for five years from now to be whatever grow so much or or expand so much as well exactly exactly i think one of the things that for me when i come into any company it's understanding what their company is about what are some of the industry standards that they may have but for me, it's more important about knowing how do they communicate? How do they work together? Who's in charge? Who's really running the ship? Most of the time, it's going to be the administrative assistant <laughs> yes. who's really running the ship and knows what's going on. Um, although I have to say, in recent years, that hasn't been the case. I have really seen more participatory leadership you see them engaged with the employees. And those are the companies I enjoy working with, where it isn't just the C-suite sitting down the hallway, but they're sitting in the break room. They are sitting with their staff. They are having regular team meetings and having those discussions. Those are the companies that are most likely going to reach out because they value that feedback. Oh, definitely. All right. I don't want to skip this before we keep going on, but can you touch? I got to consult my notes to make sure I get it right here. Uh, What is a John C. Maxwell certified coach (laughs) and how do you become one? So in, I say so a lot. I don't realize it until you start talking. Oh, I'd say for sure all the time. Anyone who (laughs) listens to this gets so sick of me saying, oh, for sure, as I transition to something. (laughs) I was very cautious at one point saying that I didn't want to say so that I went to the word right, right? Oh, right. right? Yeah. yeah, right. It's just like <laughs> you can try to change it and you can try to stop as much as you can, but it's like it's just part of, I mean, speaking <laughs> and, and, and people's tendencies. To st- everyone has their own little thing that they do. Yes, those are my quirks. Uh, very few quirks, but, yes, you know, yeah, they do exist. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> John C. Maxwell is actually a uh, very well-published leadership uh, expert. He started out within his church and has grown to this major speaker and writer on the principles of leadership. And it started out with a book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And from that, he has built all these different uh, knowledge bases and practices of what is real leadership and I learned about him a few years ago and decided that I wanted to know a little bit more about this model and I started reading his books 
I think he's up to like 70 books that he's authored. Could you imagine writing 70 books? I can't even imagine writing one book. I actually like to write. I just can't imagine putting together like 400 pages in a book. Exactly. Um, that he's able to communicate in a different way. I think he's able to reach out to people and connect with them. He talks about communication. He talks about leadership. He talks about title versus earning the right to leadership. And I just started researching and found out that you could go and train with him and become a certified coach and speaker and trainer. And that's what I did. I signed up. Um, Where's he like located out of? Like when you say you went to. So this was actually in Orlando, Florida. Okay, so nice and warm. Yes, it was in August. Okay, so nice, <laughs> nice and muggy. Nice and muggy. <laughs> Luckily, we were inside of a uh, inside of a facility that, or inside of a convention center. But what was really neat about that experience is I met three other women, and so it ended up being four women, and we ended up calling ourselves the Golden Girls. Okay. And self-proclaimed Golden Girls. We were pretty much within 20 years of each other. So I was hanging out with these women who were starting to retire or they were starting up their second career because the real estate market had plummeted at that point in time. And they were looking for where is their next step. And I continue to communicate with um, one of them still. We have conversations on a monthly basis talking about where do we go next with our leadership skills? And a lot of my training, my public speaking, is surrounded around those principles of the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Because I truly believe that if you have a foundation to build from, then you're able to continue to grow. And it may not be John C. Maxwell, but it may be another author. It might be a uh, a guru of another nature but it gives you that foundation to build off of and now I listen to Simon Sinek yeah who's super popular he's great he is yeah. great I was listening to him talk about optimism yesterday it's there's always this hunger for learning for me and John Maxwell is almost 80 years old and that's what he does. I mean, he is all about continually learning and putting thoughts out there. It isn't anything new. It's about putting it and compiling it into a format that people can understand and it becomes applicable. I think that's so important too is is in a lot of people's lives there becomes an age where it's like the thirst for knowledge decreases to a certain extent and some people all the way to zero. And so you're saying he's 80 and he's still going like this. And one of my favorite authors, um, like I said, I'm a hunter and outdoorsman. His name is Tom, Colonel Tom Kelly. And he wrote the greatest book on turkey hunting. It's funny. It's knowledgeable. It's just great. He's 93 now. His book is called 10th Legion. And he was just on a podcast that I listened to. And it's like he's 93 and he's still like learning about turkeys. It's like you think a guy who's like the authority on turkeys would know everything, but he still wants to learn more at 93 years old, which is just amazing. So turkeys. Yeah, not like farm turkeys, like wild turkeys. Right. Yeah. So there's, you know, how much do turkeys change from decade to decade? 
not as much as you would think. We have a lot more turkeys now than we did way back when. Um, but yeah, not as much as, as probably business changes and, and technology changes. Correct. So again, it's one of those things is what your passion is. So here's my foundation. I, I believe that there's this amazing creature called turkeys that exists out there and you continue to find ways. Maybe it's migration patterns. Maybe it is the environment what impact is that having on it? What about reproduction? How is that impacting it? So again, I don't need to know about turkeys, but my question to you, if I am, if you're gonna build a business around turkeys, is what are all those different dynamics that are going to impact your business? Do people really care about turkeys? And what are you gonna do with turkeys? Yep, yeah, for sure, totally. So. I agree. All right, so. Eddie, like, did you know that you were going to be a public speaker and did you enjoy public speaking at a young age or were you like someone that grew into it more so or was it just like you always like to get up and talk? <laughs> well, being the oldest of three, I always enjoyed talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love telling my sisters what to do. When we were little, I was raised Catholic and we would play mass. And play math. We would play math. Okay. You know how you would play school or yep. play nurse or whatever. No, we played math, and I was always the priest yep. <laughs> because I could give the best homilies. Yeah, totally, which is like a rare thing. <laughs> uh, me being raised Catholic as well was it's like some homilies are tough. So if you could give a good one, that would be. I have no idea how good they were. I <laughs> my parents didn't have video cameras or anything at that point in time, so I wondered. You know what did I really talk about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or did I just take the sermon that or the homily that I heard the week before and put that into my own words? But when I was in high school, that's when I got involved in debate and speech and those types of things. And I found that I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being able to speak. And I don't know that it's a it's a skill set that I believe that I've had to continue to modify. I, four or five years ago, I went back to Toastmasters just so that I could build up my ability to speak again and not say so many so's. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it is when you, when you listen to a good public speaker, it's like, man, why can't we just all speak so fluently? And, of course, they're very rehearsed, but they're just – it's like – that's the epitome of like a human being is like someone who can just speak that just concisely. They speak and you're thinking, yes, they're rehearsed, but they don't sound rehearsed. No, exactly. There is a passion behind it. And I would love to be able to get to that point where it feels like it's just this natural, I sound eloquent when I speak, but I still use y'all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I still have sometimes where I'm talking and it that southern part still comes back um, which I don't think is a bad thing so no offense to anybody who lives in the south yeah totally but being able to really sell my thoughts for people to be able to buy in that to be convincing I get envious of watching people that are able to just speak and everybody just turns and listens that is that's an art. Yeah, absolutely. Totally is. All right, so switching back to trends and stuff like that, if you looked into the crystal ball and had to choose 10 years from now, what's the thing, if you had to make a guess, where are we going to be at business-wise, or is it going to be pretty similar? 
Mm. That is a great question because, you know, as we talked about before, I, in terms of industries, what that looks like, I'm not sure where we're going next. Technology is changing so fast and there are some brilliant people out there. Um, The engineering field, whether it's computer engineering or materials engineering, whatever that may be, the amount of new products that will be at our disposal. I mean, even look at what they're doing with recycled materials now. Oh, yeah, which is is awesome. Yes, it's great to see that. In terms of business practices, though, um, we have moved from that industrialized mode to more of the collegiate type of leadership where it isn't so autocratic. It's participatory. People are able to engage with their bosses at a different level. But what's happened is we've had more access to technology and we are more mobile. So we can work remotely. I work remotely. Nine times out of 10, you'll find me in my home office and that's where I'm making my phone calls from. That's where I'm doing my emails from. I don't have to be in an office to do my work. But that also comes at a cost because you lose that ability to talk with people. So I think what we'll see with business is that we're gonna start to increase the amount of transactional things that we do. It's so easy just to go online and order the products and have them shipped to you. I don't even have to talk to a customer service agent unless I don't like the product or it comes damaged. I can go online and use an app for the services that I need, whether it's from accounting or to tracking mileage to um, being able to track my own data. I don't need those other services. So we're going to continually increase, in my viewpoint, um, being more transactional and less relational. And as long as we continue on that trend, the role of businesses is going to have to change in order to make it more relational, relationship-based again. Otherwise, small businesses aren't going to exist. Yeah, I totally agree. I did see one thing, which I don't know if this is like a real trend or what's going on, and it won't hit South Dakota for quite some time if it does catch on, but they're called no-stock stores. So it's pretty much uh, clothing stores, uh, large furniture stores, and you go in and you can't buy anything. Like you're not allowed to buy, you're just allowed to try on, sit in, whatever, and then you order online and then they ship it to you. So I don't know, it seems to me, it seems, especially for the clothing aspect, seems ridiculous. I can maybe see the furniture thing where it's like, oh, I'll go you know, to the furniture store, see what bed I want, and then they'll ship it to me, which, because who wants to haul a bed home anyway? Correct. But it's like, if I'm going to try on a pair of pants, I just would rather just leave with the pair of pants that I tried on and liked rather than have them shipped to me. So I don't know if that's like a thing that might catch on too. I have no idea. I Absolutely. And think about the stores that you can go in, you just bar scan. Yeah. Yep. And you walk through there and you order your stuff that way. I mean, it's no different than an online shopping cart. We do it all the time. But what ends up happening is it, it's at the demise of our ability to be able to create a business atmosphere that creates a healthy environment. Right now, we can call a restaurant and have the food delivered to us. Well, what is the appeal of going to a restaurant? 
I don't have to sit in my own home. I can go out. I can enjoy this atmosphere that I don't get in my own kitchen. But as long as we continue to thrive and use those other tools that aren't all bad. I mean, we're talking about accessibility. We want people to be have access to things, which is amazing that we can have that. But at the same time, we have to remember there has to be some balance. We're humans. We yep. need that contact. Absolutely. I mean, one of the large grocery providers in town allows you to shop on their app and then just go pick it up. And now I'm hooked. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the person that comes out to make sure your order's okay and help you uh, put your groceries into your car, those are the best customer experiences I've had with that retailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time I've gone in and checked out or done self-checkout, then you really don't have to talk to anybody. It's like you still get that contact. So I don't know. I think they really hit a niche there, and it's like I'm totally hooked. And I they just gave me three free deliveries too, so I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> well, and isn't it great? You can sit on your couch drink your coffee, shop, and then a couple hours later, go pick it up. Great. I don't have to interact. I don't have to walk around. But where do I see most of the people that I enjoy? Oh, I ran into so-and-so at the store. I haven't seen them in forever. And there's some value to that, too. Totally. Absolutely. There's definitely a give and take, and it'll be very interesting to see where it goes um, within the next 10 years. Exactly. Totally. So, one last time, if people want to book you for public speaking, um, contact you for business issues that they're having, communication issues, where can they go? What's the best place to find you? The best place to find me right now is through my email, and that is going to be aspiringbusiness at gmail.com, being A-S-P-I-R-I-N-G, business at gmail.com. Cool. Any uh, websites, social media, can they find you anywhere Oh, definitely. There? I'm on LinkedIn under Helen Ucera. I also have my own Facebook page, and I am on Twitter. Sweet. If you need Helen, just follow those instructions, and you'll be on the right path. All right. <laughs> I guess if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you really need to touch on that I totally missed, bring it up now before we sign off here. I think the big thing for anybody is if you're wanting to look at your own business, is that the first thing you need to do is look at your own trends. And there are so many resources out there right now accessible. You just have to take some time, break away, and really self-evaluate. Totally. All right. Well, I guess thank you so much for coming on and joining us. I learned a bunch. I'm sure everyone else will too. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.